Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 4, Episode 14, we talked to Dustin Yankee about constructing puppets. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And Tim, last week on the podcast, we had a first. We talked to our good friend, Faith Belt, but we talked about puppetry, which is not something that we've ever done before on the podcast. Faith had her kind of unique twist on it for her capstone project where she was doing underwater puppetry. And I, I don't know, we just loved talking about puppets so much. We were like, let's do it again. (laughs) <laughs> so this week we are talking to a, a new guest, Dustin Yankee. Yeah, and honestly, it, it's very interesting to to learn about how does one get into a craft, and especially one that we don't get to talk about often or to to hear from. I I just learned so much in such a short period of time, and I'm honestly looking forward to you, our listeners, getting to hear the uh, as he would call them the ramblings, but I would say the wisdom of our guest this week, Dustin Yankee. So let's get right into that interview. Today, we are excited to welcome to the podcast, Dustin Yankee. Welcome, Dustin. Thank you. Glad to be here. Dustin, for our, our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, could you briefly introduce yourself, who you are, and what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Dustin Yankee. I actually am a, I'm a pastor. And I just accepted a call to teach at Lakeside Lutheran High School in Lake Mills. So I'll be doing that coming up here very shortly. Um, but I think the reason why I'm on the podcast today is I have an interesting hobby of puppetry, and I've been doing that for some time, and I guess uh, that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think with most of like more unique hobbies like this, people always kind of want to know your origin story, right? Yes. Is this something you've always done? Like did, when you were a little kid, did you have sock puppet theater or did you, is it something that you kind of caught on with later in life? Yeah. So I guess the, the question you're asking is, was I always the weird guy that played with dolls? <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. Um, n- uh, the answer to that is, is no. I mean, like, I think like many kids around my age, I was, I watched Sesame Street, uh, but mm-hmm. I was from a small farming community called Kendall, Wisconsin. It had 500 people in its prime. That's probably if you counted all the dairy cows. But um, <laughs> so I would come home from kindergarten, whatever it was, and uh, we lived out in the country. So you go home, turn on the television, you had to turn it to the UHF station and wiggle the antennas. And sometimes I get to watch Sesame Street, sometimes not. But that was probably my first experience with with puppetry was Sesame Street. I, I remember watching the Muppets, uh, the Muppet Show before supper um, as a kid as well. And then uh, because we were living out in the country, my dad was not a farmer. He was a businessman. He worked for the total company. So we had the means to be able to buy a satellite dish. So no more mm-hmm. huge antenna strapped to the roof. We had a satellite dish. And in those days, it was just you had everything. You didn't have, you know, certain channels that were scrambled yet. And so I watched um, Fraggle Rock on HBO when that was coming out. But that was that was really never my jam. I didn't I liked the Muppet show and I liked the the um, Sesame Street. Fraggle Rock was maybe a little too tame for me, but I know some people really love it. But I did. I did watch it. So I guess. For me, the things that were attractive about those shows, though, was was not the puppetry itself. 
those characters like Grover and Kermit and Fozzie and all that, they were like people to me, right? So it wasn't like I watched it and said, ooh, I want to move a puppet like that when I'm older. Some people do. Like I know a lot of people that said, hey, I recognize there was a puppeteer there and I was going to do that for my life. And, and I guess maybe I'm just a little slower than most. So it didn't dawn <laughs> on me that someone's performing this. So I just looked at it and said, those characters are really cool. Um, so, so I did have puppets growing up, but, but really I think what turned me on to puppetry was in high school, I read a book called of Muppets and men. And it was about how Jim Henson shot the first two years of the Muppet show. And he actually did that over in England. He couldn't get anyone in the U S to pick up uh, the idea to pick up the pitch. So he went to England, shot it, and then it was syndicated um, in the U.S. But I read this book, and as I'm thumbing through the pages, I saw two photographs of the puppetry workshop in, in London. It might have been the one in New York, but um, had two pictures of the um, puppetry workshop. And it showed this guy's desk where the fo- there was a foam, I think it was... Uh, Bunsen Honeydew, uh, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, but it was the character was on the desk in foam, not dressed, and then it had pictures tacked to a cork board around the side of the cubicle, and it had tools laid out, it had fabric uh, scraps laid out, and I realized in that moment there was real artistry that went behind making these characters, and that, and that kind of appealed to me because even though maybe I wasn't into puppetry as a kid, I was always into drawing. I was always into art and comic books. So when I saw the artistry that went into making puppets, just something clicked for me. And I immediately said, I want to try that. And so I did the first thing I knew how to do. I went over to Walmart and bought green felt because, of course, <laughs> felt is what in my mind these things should be made out of. And, of course, green because of Kermit, right? But um, I bought green felt, but I didn't have a clue where to start with this. And so I just tried and tried. I, I had one of my friend's moms who knew how to sew, try to help me out. And, and eventually we put together some awful, awful creation <laughs> that I called my first puppet. And I don't, I, I kind of wish I had it just to poke fun at it now, but I don't, I, it's been long since thrown away. But uh, that was maybe my first introduction to, to puppetry. And then, and then after I graduated high school, I, I decided to go on into ministry, went to MLC. And if, if you guys are familiar with our training system, it's, it's just a whirlwind. You get your schedule handed to you and go. And, and so I really didn't dabble much with puppetry in those college years. I still drew a lot, had a sketchbook, still tried to paint when I could, um, just because it's, it's part of me. It's just being creative is part of me. But never did much with puppetry. And then uh, graduate college, I got married, and then in, my wife started teaching at Salem Lutheran School on 107th and, and Good Hope in Milwaukee, <laughs> and they did a um, an open house the for registration, and my wife was sitting at one table registering first and second graders, and then in the corner of the gym where they were stationed, there was a, a, a woman named Mrs. Howell, and she was involved with a puppetry group called Shepherd's Hands that Mickey Schneider was kind of a, uh, a leader for, and they were out of Atonement Lutheran Church at the time. But the th- thing that caught my attention was she had a puppet there. And this was not like an awful creation like I had made. This looked like, to me, it looked like a Henson Muppet. So I had to go check this out. So I walked over her table and I asked her, did you make this? Did you buy this? You know, this is up my alley. And she said, no, we, we make these. 
And so I chatted with her a little bit. So I picked up a pamphlet and I took it back and I did nothing with it for two years. It just kind of <laughs> sat there. I just did nothing with that at the seminary, had other things to do. So then I, I go on my vicar year and I vicared down south in, in Tennessee. And while I was vicaring, there were two workshops in the area. One was for, uh, well, they're both for puppetry, but one was called One Way Street. Um, the company still exists. It's got a different name now. I think it's called Creative Ministry Solutions, but they hosted a puppetry festival. And so I decided I was going to go. It was in Huntsville, Alabama, which is about an hour south of where I was. Went down to Huntsville, uh, stayed at Pastor Turf's house while I was there, and, uh, and went to this puppetry conference. And there I was introduced to not only how to build, but also how to perform puppets. And it was kind of a crash course. And, and it was my first taste of really um, puppetry at that level. And I, I came away buying my first pat puppet pattern and uh, maybe uh, also, I think, a tutorial video on how to perform. And I brought that back to the church. Now, there happened to be in the congregation that I vicared at two people, Jim and Pat Ashley, uh, who, who had done puppetry previously for little kids. Now, they weren't professionals at it. They just did it for fun. And so we got together and got some other uh, teenagers. And we said, we're going to perform a puppet show for the preschool at the, at the church. So um, that was my first time of putting together a show, performing to music. And so we did that my vicar year as well. There was one other festival or training thing I went to vicar year. It was put on by a company called Puppet Productions. Now that that's defunct now. They don't exist anymore. But they did a similar to what One Way Street did where they introduced puppetry performance, a little bit about building, but a lot of the same um, techniques and aspects of puppetry were covered at both workshops. So that was that was vicar year. So then I moved back to uh, to Milwaukee to uh do my last year of the seminary. And um, I just kept building, just kept um, working on performing just by myself, obviously not anything live. And then I graduated and got my first call into ministry, which, which was at St. Luke's in Kenosha. And there they had a small school. It was about maybe 50 kids total, but I took the fifth through eighth graders and I taught them how to do puppetry. And we, we repeated a version of that puppetry show I had done my vicar year and I trained them how to do it. And then we went up to St. Marcus in Milwaukee and performed that show for one of the after school programs around Christmas time. And um, that was pretty much all I did. The first five years of my ministry was, was working with those kids. Um, maybe I did a few solo things for preschool. I would take my puppets down to the preschool and just talk with the kids. That kind of was the first five years. And then I got a call to faith in and this is where puppetry became more part of my ministry. At Faith in Sussex, they have a school that they operate with St. John's Lannan, St. John's Lutheran School. And they started a program called Kids Bible Adventures. And it was like a mommy and me program where it's moms with little kids from zero to five. And the moms come and they have fellowship and they, there's little things for the kids to do to keep them active. But there's a Bible time. And at first, all the pastors kind of shared the Bible time where we would each take a different week. And I used the puppet for one of them. I taught the, the story of Samuel. And uh, Samuel was sleeping. The puppet was sleeping. And the kids shouted, you know, Samuel, and woke him up. And, and the kids were so dialed in 
uh, on that story that something clicked in my mind going, I, this is, this is worth exploring. And, and even I think the bigger indicator that this was something worth exploring is um, on the way home with my wife, she said, you know, I've got an idea about this. So not only did I have interest, but I had support from home. So this is golden, right? So, uh, so at that point, I kind of told the other pastors, hey, if, if this is too much for you guys, I'll just take it, right? I'll just do all this. <laughs> so, so they, they uh, let me take it. And uh, I began making little videos. I didn't want to perform live because if you've ever performed live for kids, the first thing they want to do when you pull a puppet out is stick their hands in the mouth or, you know, hit it or whatever. So I started making videos and that's just kind of how things took off making videos for little kids. Now in that story, as I started making different puppets, I wanted to improve my skills, right? I, I realized mine were okay, but they were still kind of deficient, kind of generic compared to what I see on the internet, what I see other people making. So I found a company called Project Puppet and they have what they call the Simple Series. In fact, it still exists. It's a fantastic company. I'm good friends with the owner of it. I bought my first pattern or second pattern from there, uh, the, the Simple Sock Puppet. And uh, it's more like, think of Kermit the Frog. It's not really a sock, but um, it's, you know, they taught you how to cut foam, how to cut the fleece, sew it together. So I, I bought a pattern from there, and now I'm on his mailing list, right? So around 2013 or 2014, there's this workshop that st- began, and I received advertisements from Project Puppet. It, that workshop was called Beyond the Sock, and it's held in Denton, Texas. And kind of the the attractive thing here is you would get trained by people from Sesame Street and you would learn how to build puppets for a uh, for a camera, so film-ready puppets from Project Puppet. So I couldn't make it to the first year, but the second year I saved up my money and went down to Texas, and and I learned how to build from this guy named Pasha Romanowski. He's the owner of uh, Project Puppet. And uh, I was trained how to perform for camera um, by two people, Noel McNeil, who did Bear in the Big Blue House. Is probably He was Bear. And then uh, Peter Linz. Um, Peter Linz right now is the primary player for um, Ernie on Sesame Street. So learned how to perform on camera by, for, by both of those guys. And that experience just blew my mind because there were a lot of misconceptions I had about puppetry, building and performing that got laid to rest there. You know, people would always ask me when I told them I build puppets um, after they laughed. They would then ask me, uh, so like, how big are your puppets? And kind of thinking, and I had the same mind, like the bigger, the better type of uh, mentality. Not true when it comes to film puppetry. You want to shrink those things down to where a perfect puppet is about the size of your hand because every little movement is translated onto film. I mean, it it catches it. The bigger the puppet is, it kind of stifles those uh, subtle movements. So I learned that about performing and, and also building as well. So I did that for two years as a student, back-to-back years. And then for three years, I went back, but this time as um, staff. I started working with Pasha Romanowski, and I started assisting him in the building part of that that, uh, workshop. So as far as my experience then, so after I, I did those workshops, I just kept building, and Pasha actually um, contacted me about building for a client. So he was the contracted person for building the puppets, but then he said, would I work as a subcontractor? So we, I started building puppets for people who would use them in films then. So the first project I ever worked on was 
a rat. Uh, he was a computer hacker rat who was, you know, big into conspiracy conspiracy theory. And then uh, from there, I worked on a, a puppet job for a client in India. She she had worked for I think the name is called Bali Bali Zim Zim, which is India's version of Sesame Street. But they were they were shut down for COVID as well. So she wanted to do some YouTube stuff of her own as a performer, but she wanted these puppets. So she contacted Pasha through um, Project Puppet. He contacted me and we worked together on that project and I, I built some characters for her. Then from there, I d- I've done some projects building um, for other performers. There's a, a guy named David Manley, arms length puppets, or no, uh, excuse me, up in arms puppets out of New York. And uh, he had me design and build a turtle named Terrence for him. And then uh, the last job that I did was an alien for a film. Some, some uh, film writer down in Dallas um, was making a, a, his own indie film and he needed his, an alien. Um, but it wasn't a, he wasn't asking for a puppet. Like uh, you think of like a Muppet, he wanted a full body, like four and a half foot tall puppet that would move somehow. So I built this alien and uh, I made it into basically a giant marionette. And uh, I, I eventually set that, sent that down to him. So that's kind of my, my experience with puppets to this point. So I've been doing primarily more building in the last, oh, five, six years than previously. I've done a few performance things. I did, I emceed the spring concert for Luther Prep in town, in Watertown, but I did that live. Um, that was kind of fun, but that's really the last performance piece I've done that. So it's been quite a while. So hopefully somewhere in all that rambling, there's a complete answer to how I got into this. <laughs> what is it about puppetry that you really kind of grabbed you and pulled you in? You mentioned you you like to sketch and paint and do other creative things, but what was it specifically about puppetry that separated it from other creative ventures? Yeah, I think for me, it was like the triple threat, you know, the singer, dancer, uh, actor. For me, it was, you know, you have sculpting, um, you have sketching or draftsmanship, you have color theory, and then you have build, well, building it, um, you have performing it. So to me, it just kind of hit all the things that I enjoyed doing, and it brought them all together into one perfect art form for me. That So I just, that's what I did it. Nice. That wraps it up for the first half of our conversation with Dustin. He's got lots more to share with us next week, um, and we're excited for you all to hear it. As always, if you have questions you want answers to, people you want to hear from, or you want to talk about uh, your craft that maybe you haven't heard about on this podcast, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to see the puppets in the background of Dustin's conversation with us, make sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. We'd love to have some additional support there. And we thank those who reach out and support us in that way. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.